Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of Metcalf & Associates. I work with leaders and their organizations to identify the trends that will most likely disrupt their business and develop business strategies and business and leadership practices to leverage these trends to create strategic advantage and thriving organizations. We help organizations learn to build innovative innovation into their DNA of their leaders, their culture, and their systems. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author of an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also an adjunct faculty member in universities in the U.S. and Germany. Today, our guest is Richard Oliver. I'm really honored that he is joining us. He is, has been the president and sustainability relationship leader with Thorlow for 24 years and is excited about taking a new role, chief financial officer and chief operations officer at Precision Materials, a North Carolina custom manufacturer. He was formally trained in finance with Deloitte and Touche and served on the team that developed Deloitte's first auditing software. Additionally, Richard has held roles in finance and operations in large tech companies. He's a senior, a seasoned executive with senior-level experience in focusing on culture, strategy, operations, and finance. He's delivered presentations on topics of leadership and wellness within the NCACPA and with Senior Executive Network, SEN. He's worked in leadership capacity with Jim Ritchie Dunham, who you've heard on this show before, who's the CEO of the Institute of Strategic Leadership, as well as a trustee on the board of several local nonprofits. So in the context of this show, what I tried to do in designing this format is present to our listeners different frameworks and executives' opinions for people who I think are at the forefront of either developing theories and frameworks or implementing them. And Richard is certainly a thought leader in implementing, but also has been a partner with Jim and the Institute of Strategic Clarity in testing out many of these new models. So I'm delighted that he has taken time, especially as he's taking on a new role, to take time to talk to us. So the outcome of this show, there are new possibilities in how people are in relationships in organizations and families, and the principles that we're going to talk about on this show broadly applicable and focus on creating generative relationships. And as we look at organizations where employees, I read this morning, 70% of employees in the U.S. are disengaged. The frameworks that Richard's going to talk about really lead to a different level of engagement, generation, and productivity, so much better outcomes, and also a different and better experience for the, the people participating in the companies, whether they're employees, customers, uh, stakeholders of various sorts, partners. So my goal for everyone listening 
is that you walk away with a concrete behavior that you are able to experiment with and also maybe a thought process that's new and thought-provoking for you that you can discuss and explore within your context. So, Richard, thank you so much for joining us. I'm delighted you're here. It's great to be with you, Maureen. I'm uh, looking forward to the conversation. Thank you. So let's jump in. We talked about as we prepared that you have taken a new role uh, just uh, um, very recently, not, not even yet announced. So let's talk about that role and why you're so excited. Well, I'm excited because uh, as I've worked with uh, this, to- this topic in uh, vibrancy, I've worked with it primarily uh, within the company that I work at now, uh, which is Thorlow Incorporated, but I've just uh, agreed to accept another role within Precision Materials. And uh, it's very different in terms of how it's structured. A lot of the values are the same, uh, but uh, they're at a very different place in their journey of growth in uh, their community in terms of awareness and having explicit agreements in place of how they work together and how they're in relationship. Uh, and with the experience that I've had, I've been in a, a little bit more of a structured environment, and to be able to go to an environment that has even less structure, uh, and they're trying to take on structure very intentionally to support their values and their ultimate mission of uh, serving uh, their consumers and providing mutual value to all their stakeholders, I- I'm looking forward to seeing and learning uh, with them about what, what that appropriate level of structure is at each stage of growth within the organization. Cool. So as I think about this, I think of organizations as they scale at each level of scale when just having more humans in, in the building, in essence, we need a little more structure so that we're able to be clean about what we do, where, where we're not all in the same room in the morning laying out the plans, it, it, appropriate structure allows us to function without confusion. Absolutely. And, and those dynamics those dynamics are present for everyone, everywhere, whether it's in a family, you know that it's just you and maybe your spouse, that's one set of dynamics. But when you enter in a child, that changes the dynamics. If you enter in extended family, that changes the dynamics yet again. It, it's no different in organizations. It's just on a different scale that you're continuing to change dynamics. So you're leaving Thorlo. You've been there for 24 years, and I realize that you are very much part of the fabric of that organization, and I'm assuming since that's been a significant portion of your adult working life that that's, that has also informed who you are. So tell us a little bit about what led you to make this change? Because it sounds like a big change and also uh, a launching to a next stage. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I, I have grown. I, I love Thorlow. Um, I will always be a Thorlow's advocate, not just the product, but the community itself. Uh, I consider those folks my family just as if they were, you know, uh, actually my own flesh and blood. So I, that change uh, is not one that is going to change the fact that these folks are family. I will be in a different kind of relationship with these folks, but I will still be in relationship with the Thorlow community and uh, maintain many of the relationships there uh, as I move forward. But the thing that intrigued me uh, is being able to go to an environment that had less structure, 
but uh, an environment that ultimately was was playing with structure. What is the appropriate kind of structure? What is the appropriate amount of structure? Uh, and to the uh, leaders that are in this organization are people who have been my friends in the local community for quite some time, and an opportunity to work with them where I already have an open and trusting relationship, but to be able to take something that is growing and be in inquiry with it uh, and pioneer with it as far as what is the appropriate amount of structure that uh, supports something that's happening without restricting it. And uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, being a part of that and being a part of uh, understanding and learning more about how those dynamics work. It's very interesting to me. Cool. So, so I want to cover a few terms because we have listeners around the globe and some of the, the, the wording that you're talking about may be new uh, for folks. Okay. So, so I talk consistently about leaders uh, taking on the mind of the scientist. So as a leader, uh, I need to be an inquiry. But not everyone, not everyone shares the view maybe that senior executives are supposed to be an inquiry versus you're the boss, you're supposed to have the answer. So can you talk a little bit about why being an inquiry actually makes you a more effective leader? Sure. Uh, I, I start every qu- question, I start every new situation from that place. Even situations that I think are known, I start from that place because it opens up new possibilities. It opens up possibilities beyond anything that you've experienced in the past. Uh, and I, I have... Uh, it seems like I've always been that way. I can't remember, Maureen, how I came into approaching uh, life that way, but I approach life from a standpoint of asking into it what's possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, just because I've had a relationship with somebody before, I don't anticipate, nor do I carry with me, whatever that experience was as a limitation into my next experience because I acknowledge that it's a, it's a possibility for a new dynamic. It's a new person with new gifts, uh, new ways of being in relationship. I've grown. I'm not the same person necessarily as I was in a, in a previous relationship or a previous organization. So I go into what we call inquiry, which is basically being with the question of what's possible here in the context of whatever your common mission or your common vision is. So that's, that sounds like a very different experience if I were working for you than I have with many people. Yeah, it, it probably would be. Like when, when I do uh, <laughs> reviews with people, uh, we sit down and we actually sit with people. And if I'm actually doing a review with you, I, 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 to begin with, I host you into a conversation to talk about uh, an awareness about what your what your gifts are. What is what is unique about you? What is your passions? What are your affinities? So that we really presence what it is that that you're uniquely designed to be able to offer to the organization, any organization, because these are these are not role specific. These are these are gifts of organization. Uh, some of them are gifts of relationship. Different types of gifts, different types of passions. But to really get in touch with that, and that's basically the first part of an inquiry when I go into a review with someone, is to understand themselves and to presence what their actual gifts are, and then to start to host them into a conversation about how those gifts may show up in future 
contributions to the organization, maybe in roles or areas that are completely different from where they're working today. And then also, well, given the role that you're in today, how do you see, now that you talked about these gifts and these things that you can offer, do you see different ways that these can show up in your current environment? And, and basically facilitate them through making some of those connections. Uh, and it, it has tremendous rewards for me personally just to see people grow, but it has extreme uh, rewards. And I've seen some extreme shifts. I've seen people change career paths. Uh, and then there have been other folks who were stuck or felt stagnant where they were at. And then all of a sudden they saw a new possibility, not in a new role, but in the role that they were in because they started to see new connections of how this really was on purpose and made contributions, not just to their local environment, but to the overall mission of the organization. Okay, so again, you're using words that people aren't familiar with, I think, in many cases. And I want to be explicit with a bias I have because I've, I've heard a lot of people use the word presencing and it's just replacing old words with new words, but they don't do anything different. Same with hosting. You actually mm-hmm. do something different. Mm-hmm. So it would, be, it would be helpful. Tell us a little bit about Thorlo also, that you're doing co-hosting and presencing and seeing people's gifts in a manufacturing environment in the U.S., hardcore manufacturing. So this isn't a, a, a new age company or something avant-garde. This is hardcore manufacturing guys, tradespeople. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we, we manufacture uh, foot protection and foot protection products. They, they come in the form of a, a sock product, uh, but they're engineered and they're manufactured uh, in a way that actually helps to protect the foot in a, a number of activities, uh, sports being one of them, but outdoor activities, lifestyle activities, et cetera. Um, and so it is, it is, you know, language that probably your audience would understand. It's a, it's a heavy, uh, mix of, uh, heavy manufacturing, what might be traditionally referred to as a, a blue collar type environment, uh, also coupled with, uh, administrative environment as well. Um, and, in this environment, when we talk about presencing and co-hosting, what we're actually talking about is creating an awareness. And, it, and it's creating an awareness in a non-judgmental way, but in a way of actually uh, making very explicit what is the context, what is the mission, what is the purpose that we all have in common, and really calling that in calling our attention to it. It's not something that we don't know. It's just something that sometimes we forget or we, we, we don't have in our present mindset, and therefore it's not there for us to draw from. So all, all that means when we say presencing is to actually call it into our mindset, something we already know. I'm not giving anybody anything new, but it's calling that into their mindset. And then the, the co-hosting is to actually help make some of these connections between what my perception is and what I have access to based on my experience, my knowledge, my journey, and connecting that to others as well as connecting that up to the whole in terms of the vision and mission from a relational standpoint. That's really what co-hosting is, is, is presencing that for, for the circle or for the group as well as for the individuals connecting to each other. 
So your your the the presencing piece. I'm just going to reiterate this uh, and, and correct me or build on what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So if I'm presencing something, I am acknowledging that I am bringing of all of my resources. I'm I am bringing one to the forefront or or a few, mm-hmm. and then co-hosting is we're in dialogue or interaction in a way that you're connecting what you're presencing to the gifts of the other person to the higher purpose of the organization, the mission vision, so that we're able to become more aligned with what we're trying to create. That's very well said. That's very accurate. Okay, thank you. So on that note, we're going to go to commercial break, and we'll come back and talk more about these processes And so, again, my intent is so that people can hear a different way of doing business in traditional enterprise for consideration. We'll be right back with Richard Oliver. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune into Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel, and get Amplified. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Today, our guest is Richard Oliver, and we're talking about his experience as a senior executive and how he is taking that experience to a new company. And specifically, I want to shift focus now to the overall framework that holds these different uh, concepts uh, called harmonic vibrancy. And so, Richard, can you tell us a little bit about what it is as you have used it and how you got involved with it? Uh, yes, uh, I got involved with it. My history has been through uh, uh, Thorlo. Uh, came into contact with uh, uh, Jim Ritchie Dunham, who you spoke about earlier, who, have been, who has been on the show before, and uh, began working with him um, uh, almost a decade ago, I believe, is, is the time frame. And we started to look at uh, some of the dynamics with uh, we were already experiencing something different. Uh, but we really hadn't distinguished it, hadn't categorized what it was. We were operating from new agreements and how to be in relationship with each other, agreements that uh, we felt fostered a more generative environment, an environment where uh, people's natural gifts were brought forth uh, a little bit more uh, rapidly, a little bit more frequently, and... Uh, as we continued that conversation, we started to, uh, it, with the help of Jim Ritchie Dunham, he started to actually talk more about this distinction of uh, harmonic vibrancy or vibrancy. And uh, that, that distinction was really about the way we're in relationship together. It's conscious. It's intentional. It has a, uh, uh, an intentionality around mutual benefit, mutual growth, and yet it also has an intentionality around serving a common vision or a common purpose. Uh, it, this could be something that uh, you see on a global scale. You can see it in a for-profit or a not-for-profit. You can see it just in a small team in a, in a work environment. You can see it in a family relationship. It, it, it actually applies on all different types of relationships, but it's the way to be in that relationship in a very intentional uh, in a very conscious way with the understanding that the desired outcome is to be in vibrancy, uh, the highest represent, representation of, uh, rep, of uh, expression of that relationship relative to the reason you're in relationship, whatever that vision or purpose is. And uh, that, that actually is, is the history of how I became involved in it. And uh, over the years, we have gained more and more insight into it. Uh, I know Jim is, seems to be a hub of a global community uh, around the world of people who are uh, learning about it. And then, like you said earlier in the uh, show, people who are actually uh, starting to experiment with it or getting uh, experience with it and starting to have some of their own distinctions, some of their own learning, which is actually making the definition and the distinctions of vibrancy even more uh, more clear and things that folks 
for folks to be able to, who are starting to experience it, they can recognize it easier. And it's not just some, um, I don't know, some esoteric thing that has some soft value to it. I mean, in our organization, we've actually been able to quantify uh, the reduction in cost, the increase in productivity by applying uh, this type of approach to being in relationship, and that as people come into that and as we take that on intentionally as leaders and as groups, uh, what does that actually generate in, in hard value? Things that, you know, our accountants and the other folks out there in the world can actually measure because some folks, you know, say, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, you can actually see it. You can see it and touch the, the savings and or the increase in value. It, one of the things that I think you just hit on is you came out of Deloitte, right, that, yes, that you're, you are by trade a financial guy and an operations guy. So my guess is this was a, a bit of an interesting approach when you first ran into it. Uh, yes, it was, but I, I was always attracted to this. Even when I was in college, I was, you know, the uh, the humanities, the uh, social sciences were always the ones that I actually, I enjoyed those classes better. I don't know why I became a business major and ultimately a finance and accounting guy, um, I, I think I was sort of predestined to go that direction first just to have some of the experience of that I had in that. But I, I always was intrigued by the relationships and how they impacted things. And that was the other thing that really intrigued me. I remember one of the first times I realized that what we were up to was something really, really different is I saw a flow model uh, that actually didn't just have the mechanical or the process flows but it actually showed the impact that people and where they were in relationship, how that actually impacted the flows in a flow model. And, you know, for somebody that comes from my background, you know, that was actually almost like blasphemy to to introduce human uh, emotion and human relationship onto how well a model actually works and how the flows actually work uh, and what the level of flows are. And that, that was the first time that I really realized in a hard, tangible way, this is, this is something really different. It's real because everybody knows this from their own experience and relationships that it is really something that affects it. But being able to see that and see that in a visual way just, it, it, it that was one of the first things that just really blew me away because coming from my background, seeing a flow chart that had uh, the human emotion and human relation characteristic as a variable was huge. You know, I, I think as you say that of early in my career, I, I worked actually as a consultant for the Air Force, and we were doing, I think, Malcolm Baldrige assessments or something. And I worked with mm-hmm. someone who was an Air Force general who basically said, I agree that I want people to have a good experience, but I don't have any data that says that I should invest money in making that happen because I'm a, I'm a steward of the taxpayer's dollars. And if I don't have right. justification that this has a positive impact, it, it's inappropriate. And so what you're saying is is that we, and I think through some of the Gallup research as well, that's part of how leaders are now innovating, that we do have data that says this people stuff matters, but there are specific models. It's not all people stuff works. And I, 
I'm not necessarily a fan of putting in foosball tables and thinking my productivity is going to go up. You're talking about right. hardcore behavioral components of how we lead. So let's talk a little bit about what some of those are. What are some of the practices that you do differently at Thorlo and you w- will do differently in your new role than you have seen in more traditional organizations? Uh, one of them is, you know, in a lot of organizations and even organizations that I've worked in in the past, I've worked at Deloitte, I've worked in technology companies uh, such as Siemens, Corning. Um, I, I've worked in large companies where a lot of the structure and a lot of the uh, authority, power, and influence was very much traditional. And, and, and as a result, uh what people were being invited into was not to bring everything that you could possibly contribute, but you were being invited into more of an execution inside of a, a specific box uh, or a specific task or tactic that was being communicated to you. Uh, and even in some of the later models where, you know, you have folks that are a little bit more empathetic and able to deal with people in some different ways and have different values for relationships, there still was some unwritten communication barriers and, and barriers for this value to show up in the way that, you know, well, this person is in this role and this role is subordinate to that role. Um, so that hierarchy and that authority also uh, implicitly communicated value that was or was not acceptable for you to offer into the conversation. And, um, you know, we talked about inquiry earlier, just had a conversation this morning with someone about I was invited into an environment where I was seen as the expert and I was being asked, well, what should we do? And what was not, what the room was not aware of, what this group was not aware of is that the folks that were asking me what to do had something to offer into the answer to that question. I wasn't the one that could just say, this is what we should do, because that would contain and be the result and the sum of my insights and experiences, but not all the insights and experiences that we had access to. I was very technically aware of the situation I was being asked about, but I didn't understand the environment. Somebody else in the room had that expertise. Somebody else in the room actually understood uh, not just the environment from a process standpoint, but understood some of the people dynamics that were at play in this particular circle. Those are things that are all important. And so what I did when I was asked is I said, well, I, I'm not sure what we should do. What I am sure of is that these are some of the criteria that we should look at, but I think you know some of that, and then started to invite in. That's what we call the co-hosting piece. What do you see into that? What do you think the human dynamic is? How is that going to play in whatever we decide to do here? How about the process dynamic and where we are with our process discipline and things like that, and how do you bring that in? And then I could bring in some technical discipline relative to the question that was at hand, but you, you, you turn that situation around so that what you're inviting in is the sum of all the experiences and knowledge and expertise that you have access to into that particular thing or topic that you're trying to uh, discuss or make a decision around versus simply, well, what do we need to do? And then the boss comes in or the director of something comes in and they basically dictate, well, this is what we're going to do. And then everybody goes out 
and within their local expertise goes purely into execution mode, but you don't get the value of what they have to offer into that decision itself. So I want to, sh- uh, I guess, make some observations that, that hit me as very nuanced in what you just said. So mm-hmm. I, I've been in some of these discussions where boss comes in as the expert, as you said, and just right. gives an answer, where boss right. comes in and collects information from people and then makes a decision. But, right. but that doesn't sound like a lot of synthesis. It sounds like I, we report out and he or she decide. They're the decider. Right. In this co-hosting process, it sounds like you're pointing out the the expertise you see from each person, so so making mm-hmm. explicit the value that everyone's adding. And my guess is you're not just listening and um, and then barking out an order, but you're actually synthesizing each different point of view and probably coming to a very different. You're growing yourself through the process. You're, you're learning and, and changing your point of view in some cases. Oh, absolutely. In, in almost every case, uh, I'm changing my point of view and, and the way the decisions actually get made. And I know this is going to be really con- uh, counterintuitive to a lot of leaders out there, but the way the decisions get made is they actually start to become obvious. Once you start to make these connections and people offer these different perspectives, uh, relative to some different solutions that might be available to you, et cetera, the, the decisions or the solutions to what you're talking about start to actually uh, reveal themselves. And it's not that something that anyone came into the room and said, oh, that's it. It's that it's a process by which that solution reveals itself because of the inquiry and the offering and the invitation in for what everybody has to offer is access into an understanding of uh, what, whatever it is that you're trying to resolve or whatever it is that you're trying to uh, make a decision around. And uh, that's, that's a very unique, very rarely in those situations, sometimes in a new environment that might be required, but very rarely does it require me to even say, well, you know what, guys, it sounds like this is the way that we should go. Because normally that's already been said by somebody else in the room, and all I got to say, yeah, that's what I'm seeing too. I'm, I get to be the affirmer, as opposed to be the one actually trying to state a, a, a possible solution and see if that really is what everybody else is seeing. And when that starts to happen, you know you've entered into a different domain. It, and so then I want to step back into often. People look, not only does the boss think they're in charge and have to give the answer, but employees also think the boss is in charge and has to give the answers. That they, some people are annoyed by that, some people just expect it. As your role changes, how did you adjust to your own expectations? I'm supposed to be right and have the answers. Um, I'm, I'm not real sure. I, I think it was sort of natural for me all along because I had not always been the guy. I had been one of the guys on the team. And I, I, I remember and have always, you know, have a, a strong relationship to the smartest guy in the room may not be the guy that's supposed to be the leader, particularly with uh, certain topics, certain types of questions, et cetera. He may be the one that just has a tidbit to, to offer. So, 
that's one of the fallacies that I see is that the guy that actually sits has a, a title beside his name or sits at the head of the table is the guy that actually is the smartest guy at the table. And I know that's going to be hard for certain egos to swallow, but truthfully, <laughs> there's a lot of times when the smartest guy at the table is sitting somewhere else other than the head of the table. And that's, that's you know, if you go into it and that's your expectation, and that's where I draw confidence from. My confidence is not drawn from what I know other than the fact that I know that the knowledge is in the room and that these guys have a lot of knowledge when you start to put it together. So I go in there with some people call it faith. I, I call it confidence that there's the knowledge in the room necessary to basically bring forth what it is the answer is for this, this particular issue that we're dealing with. Thank you. So, so let me again summarize. This process allows you, this co-hosting process as one of the tools within Vibrancy allows you to bring together or convene the right people to answer the specific question you're facing. So right could be any level within the organization, each person with a kind of expertise. And through this process of people sharing their expertise, with you being whatever level of knowledge you have about that topic, the answer seems to reveal itself as everyone's listening and integrating different points of view and synthesizing and really expanding their perspective and then you get to affirm or inquire more if you're seeing that something is still missing. Right, absolutely. And a lot of times it is. It's just that inquiry to ask that next question if something doesn't feel whole yet. Okay, cool. Thank you. So we're going to go to commercial break. We will be right back with Richard Oliver, the president of Thorlo, talking about... in talking about innovative leadership and vibrancy. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. 
How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Our guest today is Richard Oliver. And we're talking about primarily his role with Thorlo and how he's implemented vibrancy and used that in an environment that is manufacturing and how that framework, the vibrancy framework, has helped drive their business results and also created a very different environment. So, Richard, before break, we were talking about how you use the co-hosting process what, what process do you want to make sure our listeners hear about next to make sure we hit your, the, the areas you think most differentiate Thorlo and Vibrancy from traditional organizations? Um, I think the, the, one of the ones that I also use a lot of is being, being very clear about what level of conversation we're in. Um, there's process that some folks may even know it, uh, we call it the O process uh, of where we actually are very clear about where we're at in the conversation, where we're at in the relationship, you know, making sure that uh, you've centered yourself on a common purpose and, and you've, as I used the words before, presence, what, what we're both committed to here. Uh, but then also the relational process to where there's a, uh, enough relationship there and enough trust to take on certain types of topics. Um, because obviously if you're going into a new relationship, there are certain topics that there's just not enough bonding and enough trust and enough experience in the relationship to take on yet, and that's in any kind of relationship. And then once you get beyond that, you actually start to have to have a distinction between am I in a possibility conversation or am I in a probability conversation, and when does that shift? Uh, a lot of times that possibility conversation is truly just, you know, you're an inquiry and you're offering things out in a collaborative environment and there's enough trust to put things on the table 
that uh, no one's offended if somebody says, oh, no, I don't think so, or somebody says, well, how about this? And you just basically riff off of each other in that possibility conversation. But the other thing when you're co-hosting that environment is that you, you actually become aware of when there starts to become um, an alignment in the room. <laughs> it's almost like an entrainment uh, <laughs> around a particular outcome or solution or decision. And, and you just start to see it. You start to see the affirmation between different members of the room. And when, you, when that starts to happen, you've moved over into what I now call and what is part of the O process. It's, you're in the, to the probability area. And this could be in one conversation. This could be over a series of conversations and interactions where this occurs. But then once you move over into the probability area, your, your conversation shifts. There's still relatedness, but the relatedness now is now about deployment. How are we going to go about this? Because you've sort of settled on an approach. You settled on a decision. And then once that happens, uh, you know, and you've actually got an approach that you're starting to, uh, align around and connect yourselves around with the different, uh, uh, people within your circle or within your group then you actually start to go and to take your will back into manifestation and manifesting that which you've talked about and envisioned together, came to an alignment about how it would work, came into a way of actually talking about how you would uh, approach it, and then now you're actually doing it. And one of the things that comes up when you actually go through that process, and I do it, I don't say those words every time I get into a meeting. I don't go through that process uh, literally with people um, and, and call it that as I go through a series of conversations. But one of the things that I do is I do, I do listen into the conversation and what's happening to make sure I understand where we're at. And what I found is if you miss one of those pieces, it will cause you to bog down somewhere else other into the process, and you'll have to go back and pick it up. Uh, but when you go through that process correctly, it's pretty magical. Uh, I've seen, and we did this, we implemented a uh, business in the U.K., uh, a thriving business, and we did it with a 90-day notice. I mean, it, it was like magic. It was something that looked impossible, but because this process actually caused those things to happen and, and they happened in that sequence and that trust occurred and then that possibility and alignment uh, occurred and it, then it turned into an approach ultimately into manifestation, there's a level of commitment that generates out of that. There's a level of resolve that once you go into that and you're coming out and you're approaching something and you're in the manifestation level, when you hit adversity, and you will, just about mm-hmm. anything, you will hit adversity, but there's a resolve because you have that deep connection with everybody about the approach and the, the what we're up to, that you push through, that resolve takes you through the adversity and has that common uh, that that common purpose that pulls you through, and you don't feel like you're on an island. It doesn't divide you. You just push through it because you know you're on the right path, and that group knows they're on that path, and they know they're not on that path alone. They're on it together, and that that like I said, it's like magic when you experience that. So, so I'm going to play back again what I'm hearing and ask for a couple of uh, elaborations. 
so, so in okay. a typical environment, I go to a meeting because it's on my schedule. Um, I'm not always sure why my voice is in the room. So you're calling out, um, Metcalf, you're here because you've got expertise in implementing change. Uh, so that's why my voice is here. And then we're going through this kind of brainstormy thing. We know that we have a problem with um, how we're doing and delivering a product. So we're brainstorming. It sounds like the way you are doing this isn't we have a series of three one-hour meetings to brainstorm, but when when you're seeing the shift in energy, we shift not based on what's on my outlook schedule, but how how the team is going, whether or not it's in an hour incremental block. Right. Absolutely. And, and you're taking it on. You know, a lot of times you come to a meeting like that using the subject matter that you put on the table, and, and the conversation, everybody already comes defensive because they're afraid that since it's not working the way that we all had envisioned, we're coming to this conversation to find out who's to blame. Mm-hmm. Now, imagine the spirit in that room that everybody comes into that room with. That's not a generative spirit. You're not going to have a whole lot of new ideas. It's very defensive. It's everybody trying to cover their own hind end, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're, you're sitting there, and it, it, all of us have been in those kinds of meetings. And yet, there's another way to enter into that conversation, which is by saying, you know what, I know we're all committed to the same thing, representing what that commitment was a product launch or a product delivery. And, you know, guys, we're not getting the results that we're committed to. We need to, we need to take a deeper look at this. We need to look at, are there possibilities? Is there something else we need to be doing here? And then when you start to presence that and you start to invite those other knowings and seeings into the room, those other perspectives into the room, it's amazing that once folks realize they don't have to defend anything and they can trust, that we're all here and we're here for the same reason and we have the same purpose, it'll become pretty clear pretty quickly what the issue really is, what is missing, and through through that collaboration, it'll start to become clear what some of the alternatives and possibilities are at addressing that in order for us to have and manifest what it is that we're committed to. You know, one of the other nuances I hear in this is we had an idea about how to proceed. We started down that path, and we knew we didn't have perfect information. So as we go along, we're going to learn. And so part of what we're presencing now, and you spoke to this earlier, is when I presence, rather than when I talk about what I know, is I'm presencing what I have learned since our last interaction. So especially when we're launching something new or fixing something, when we're changing, what we bring to each interaction will be different than what we had in the last. And it sounds like you are, through the agreements, making explicit that that we are where we are and this is as good as it's going to get. And uh, frankly, even our breakdowns are a success in many cases because we're further along than we were last time in our experiments. And so this is a learning process. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely correct. I think when we take off on anything, we have a, 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 usually a pretty common vision at, an, at a high level of, of what the, the manifestation of that would look like or feel like standing in the future. And I think most people have some sort of a common high-level alignment on, on what that is. 
and, and you shine the flashlight out there towards it, and you can see the next 15 feet of road. You can't see everything between here and that manifestation. You see the next 15 feet of road. And what you have to do is you have to experience that next 15 feet of road before you see the 15 feet after that. And what, you, what you're basically doing with that experimentation that you're talking about is you're stepping into that, into that bold future, into that envisioned future, into that future that you've committed to. And as you step into it, you're stepping into it knowing that there's going to be adversity, but the adversity is telling you you now know something you didn't know when you started. What does that do relative to our course in manifesting that vision that we've committed to? And, and, and that takes a lot of the judgment and a lot of the overhead around these conversations out because rarely, it's not like it never happens, but rarely does somebody start out saying, I want to sabotage this. I want to do less than my best. That just doesn't happen. I mean, that's not, most people are not that way. And so, and it's a very powerful place to lead from is saying, I'm leading from a place that I'm assuming everybody is given their best from where they're at. They're given the best they know how to give. And in this next 15 feet, they're going to see that their best can even be better because they've learned something. They see something new. Their experience has changed them. And to call attention to that and then call, call forth and to invite in whatever it is that they now see creates those new opportunities, those new possibilities. You just said something that strikes me as so important, and the words aren't new, but I'm seeing the lack of it so much more, and that's this assumption that everyone's bringing their best, right? In, in, mm-hmm. our, in the U.S., well, and globally, in times that are politically so divisive, I'm watching people that I care about re- revert back to a defensive posture. They're doing this because, you know, fill in the blank, they're all whatever, and it seems incumbent upon us as leaders to create or recreate environments where the, the precious human beings who have shown up to do something that's purposeful and meaningful with their lives as well as earn a paycheck can thrive rather than having to hide and just hope nothing lands on their head today. Absolutely, and I think when you actually get a group of individuals that are truly coming together to serve something bigger than themselves, that that you can make that assumption that they're bringing the best that they have and that they're serving something bigger than themselves, and even a group of people who are willing to be accountable to each other that, hey, if Richard Oliver over here seems to have kind of strayed from the path and he seems to be advocating for something that's just about his own individual gain, you know what, he's already stated a commitment to something different than that. We can talk to him about it. And that's the environment that I, 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 I migrate towards those environments. Those environments draw me and, and I, it tend to show up around me because that's the kind of relationship I like to be in is ones where I'm okay being accountable with someone else because we're up to something that's bigger than ourselves, and something that's in service to a much larger group of people and a much larger purpose. So on that note, we have about a minute and a half left. Let's shift into your stepping into something that is new, that that mm-hmm. you are going to be called to give your best, and that people mm-hmm. around you, you get to, not that they aren't already, but as, as the organization becomes more explicit in its agreements, 
just give us a couple of words about what you're most excited about here. Uh, I think the thing that I'm most excited about is being able to work in an organization where there's not uh, this relatively new um, compared to Thorlow, who's been around for over 60 years. Uh, it's a relatively new organization. Uh, it's a rapid growth organization, but there's a lot of things undefined. And that's what I'm really looking forward to is because in a lot of cases, you have to let go of something in order to explore new possibility because the old something is what's getting in the way. In this case, uh, I'm looking forward to what does it look like not having anything to let go of. You just got a blank sheet of paper and, and it's waiting to be, be manifested. So, Richard, thank you so much. I hope that you will let us interview you in about a year to hear how this new challenge and opportunity plays out for you. This I would is... love to. Cool. Um, and we'll stay in touch in between. Um, this is Maureen Metcalf and Richard Oliver. You've been listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations, and Richard has been talking about how he's used the vibrancy framework to create a very different way of working and a way of working that creates a level of engagement and generative environment that creates very different results for employees, stakeholders, customers, and the community that, again, results in better outcomes. So you can reach me at info at metcalf-associates.com or Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations on our Facebook page. We look forward to hearing your questions and also about what experiments and thoughts you have based on our shows. Thank you and enjoy your week. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week. We'll be right back.